Welcome to the I Know a Thing podcast. Welcome to episode one of season two of I Know a Thing. Our first episode is so important to so many people, teachers, parents, K through 12, and educators everywhere. We are analyzing the effects of a new movement called diversity and inclusion on the most vulnerable, special needs children. The Lake Washington School District in the Seattle area is pioneering a new program where they integrate special needs children into general education classrooms in an effort to better include them. Before this, these students had access to learning centers where they were able to learn at their own pace with professional teachers and paraeducators specially trained in special needs. Less than two months into this program, parents of special needs kids are saying it's not working and the district is pushing back. Whether you have a general education student or a special needs student, you're going to want to hear this. Hi there, today we have Rebecca here. Um, She is a parent and a sub, and as well as has a paraeducator background. Um, And she's here to talk about uh, some changes that have been made in our Lake Washington School District. Welcome, Rebecca. Good morning, thank you for having me. Yeah, great. So um, we had heard that there's been some changes in the district with regard to um, diversity and inclusion initiatives. Um, and specifically within the district's learning centers. So if you could sort of define what a learning center is for us Mm -hmm. and talk about that. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, I'll kind of start off by saying, you know, I've uh, I've got two kiddos. They they, uh, both have IEPs. We've we've been doing special needs for a long time in our family. Um, And we've been in Lake Washington School District for a long time. And I recently became a sub in the district um, this past school year and it's been great to work um, there but I want to make sure that everyone knows that I'm not speaking for the school district I'm not speaking as an employee Um, this is my experience as a mom as uh, a friend to other special needs mom my experience in special needs support groups those sorts of things Um, so I just want to make sure that disclaimer is up there first Mm -hmm. Um, but a learning center there's different ways of approaching special education and if you've ever heard of FAPE, F-A-P-E, it's part of the IDEA, the, um, uh, which is all kind of this federal uh, legislation around making sure that um, special needs kiddos get an appropriate education in the public school system. Mm-hmm. And um, there are different ways of doing that and the way that the, the Lake Washington has done it for the last long amount of time is with a learning center. And what that means is that instead of having um, a specialized team at every single school, there are different schools that had a larger um, group of special educators and a classroom set aside just for uh, the special needs kiddos. And um, that way they could have a place for them to be, um, create, a curriculum that was specialized to them and their needs and what what they needed as as individual learners, whether their um, challenges were physical, mental, emotional. Um, There's lots of different ways that you can qualify for special education. And so they were meeting all of those needs in these learning centers. And there were about 13 in the district, about half of the elementary schools had them. And, um, And so if you were not 
if your home school that you were assigned to by the district didn't have one and you had a special needs kiddo, then you would be variant into a school with a learning center. And that's what happened to us. Um, our, we had a home school. Um, and actually, our homeschool has changed a couple times as we've moved around the district, but we've been able to stay at the one elementary um, that had the learning center. And so my daughter from kindergarten through fifth was at that one school, was able to have that continuity of uh, educators there from the teachers to the paras and was able to really grow and blossom and just do so well in that environment because they were really focused on, okay, what does this child need? How can we best provide it? You know, in what ways can we integrate her into general education? That was always a conversation mm -hmm. of, you know, how mm -hmm. can we involve her in general education, but with her home base being that special education room, that learning center room. Um, and so can we take a step back for one second? So can you define like the difference between special education and special needs? Like for instance, I know a lot of kiddos that have like IEPs because they have ADHD or anxiety and mm. they can't focus. And so they, they're, you know, taken out of class and they go mm. to a resource room. So for people who don't know the difference. Yeah. So an IEP, there's, there's two documents that, that might be involved in a kid's um, special education. So, and I kind of use special ed and special needs as kind of, um, kind of interchangeable, but the special needs could, could involve more things than just their intellectual academic needs, mm -hmm. right? Um, an IEP is an individualized education plan. It is um, very detailed. They go into, okay, how many minutes are gonna be in special education? They have specific goals set out for the kiddo. And those goals might be academic, they might be social emotional, they might be behavioral, um, adaptive skills. So just being able to, like at one point my daughter had a goal of being able to move around the school safely by herself. Like that was a goal that she had because she could not do that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so depending on where the kid is at, they'll have these individualized goals, they'll specify how many minutes are gonna be in general education, how many are in special education, uh, what specific supports that kid is gonna be um, uh, given, whether it comes to testing or extra time to complete assignments, how they're graded, all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, there's also something called a 504, mm -hmm. and that is something for kiddos who aren't as, um, who don't qualify for an IEP. Um, maybe their needs are not as high, but they still need extra support. And that 504 might just be something where they have a, extra time to do assignments or they're uh, you know, given a, a wiggle chair to sit on instead of a regular desk chair, or they're allowed mm -hmm. to have fidgets or, or something a little bit different. Um, and so an IEP um, is, is that kind of detailed, um, this is exactly what we are going to do for this child to make sure that they're getting all of the supports that they need so that their education is appropriate to them and is matching the level of education you know, that we're giving to every other student. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that, that IEP, the school is bound. I mean, like, you know, they are bound to provide whatever is detailed yes. in that IEP yes. for it's, that it's, child for it, that year. It's a legal document. A legal there's document. there's very um, strict procedures for how often they have to be evaluated for services, how often they have to review the IEP, uh, providing progress reports, making sure that the parents have an opportunity to sit down with their entire team. Mm -hmm. So that includes a special ed teacher, a gen ed teacher, school psychologist, all the different therapists 
um, occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy, anything that the child needs. Um, sit down with that team of, of people who are working to provide services to the child and um, review all the goals that the teachers are, are proposing, give feedback, say, no, I don't think that's appropriate. Um, can we do this instead? I would like her to be in general ed more. I would be like her to be in general ed less. Like those conversations are allowed to happen. And so the, the parent has to be provided all of that and sign off on it. And then they implement it and they have to document throughout the year everything that they're doing and how the child is progressing on their goals. So it's very detailed. Um, you have to, you know, be, you have to go through a whole evaluation process to even get an IEP. Mm -hmm. I've filled out so many forms <laughs> over the years. Um, every time I see a behavior analysis, a BSC form, I'm like, oh, I gotta get it. But um, BASC one, one oh, the BASC two, I've, yeah. I've filled them out so many times, you guys. Um, and so, but it, it makes sure that, you know, in all the categories, that they qualify for services that they're getting those services and it's documented mm -hmm. and the parent can always go back and, and say like why is this not mm -hmm. matching up mm -hmm. um, like for us this year when we because um, we started middle school and we had mm -hmm. set up an IEP at the end of fifth grade and we had a plan and then we started middle school and I was given a schedule and the schedule didn't match the IEP that we had agreed on and so it was a, a new teacher, a new school, you know, and I just said, hey, you know, this schedule doesn't match the IEP. And she comes back to me and she's like, you're right. It doesn't match the IEP. Um, I don't think I have the staff right now to do what she needs, but let me see what I can do. Um, and so that is, then that's where, you know, the, the, unfortunately, the parent really has to do a lot of advocating. advocating yeah. You know, we, we've been fortunate, in my experience, I've been very very fortunate in the Lake Washington School District that I have not had to fight for services mm -hmm. too much. Um, in general, I have been provided the services that I thought were appropriate for my child. I think this really has been the first year that I've had to, like, write the strongly worded email and say, hey, why is there not staffing to support my child's right. IEP? Um, but I know from my experiences with other um, parents that they have had to just fight tooth and nail to get their kid mm -hmm. what they needed in multiple different school districts. And so a problem. now, I mean, the, one of the reasons we're here today is mm -hmm. because to talk about like things have changed. Yes. So can you kind of break down for us how the learning center kind of model has changed and how those changes are looking for all these families. Yeah. So, you know, this is, this is based on kind of my observation from being in the school, helping out. And then also from the conversations that I've had from with other, um, parents. And, um, I think because of this push towards inclusion, there was this idea that, well, we want them to be in their general education classroom as much as possible. And we can cover, their special education minutes by just you know having a para in the classroom part of the time or we can just kind of we'll just push them push them out of the learning center because that feels so separate and and so you know we're we're siloing them, them in these places we want everybody at every school to be you know supported in their school and so they've taken kiddos who have been 
in these learning centers and progressing in these learning centers and growing there and saying, okay, now we're going to put you in a general education classroom as much as possible. Here's a paraeducator, you know, for as much time as, as the district has deemed we have staffing hours for. And you're going to learn here in this general education classroom. And they didn't give you a choice? They didn't, like, give you a heads up or a choice for this? There wasn't, um, as from what I have been told by other parents, um, they were not informed that this was happening. Some didn't find out until after school had started that their child was not in the same classroom that they were in before, that their that the program had even begun. They had no idea. So parents sent their kiddos to school. Yes. With the understanding that things were going to be how they have always been yes. with the learning center and their kiddos came home from school and that was not what happened and parents mm-hmm. were not informed about that. Yes. And that does not seem right wow. to me. No. And if, and if you read about, you know, FAPE and, and the law, like communication to parents is part of the law. Of course. And so I feel like there was a big communication breakdown in this. You know, I, because I had been working in the classroom, I had, I had heard that, like, they were going to be trying this inclusion initiative and things were happening, but um, didn't really know all the details, even as someone who was helping out in the schools. Was there ever, did they, was there ever a push for information from the parents of these kiddos who would be directly affected by this? Did they ask your opinion? Yeah, like they did they or anything? send home, did it send you a survey? I mean, feedback, no, no, I, feedback? no, um, I never received anything. Okay. And that I can recall. Um, and you mentioned they, that there might've been some piloting of, of this. Somewhere. Yeah. So we, we've been, we've been told by the, um, by the director of special services that they did pilot it. And I had heard from, it's interesting. I was at, our my child's private OT office and there was a mom asking me like how is your child doing because they're saying that they're going to put my kid just in a regular kindergarten class and I don't know how that's going to work and I said oh well we have this learning center and you know it's it's this is how we do it at my school and she's like I don't think they're going to do that for him I think they're just going to put him in a regular class and I'm I'm so afraid and I don't know what to do and I was like, well, you should definitely ask what's happening because that doesn't sound right. So it seemed like for kiddos who were maybe coming into kindergarten, they were saying, oh, well, you know, we're going to put you in this class or whatever. But for kiddos who were already in the learning center, there wasn't communication of this is how it's completely changing. And and we're going to, you know, start your kid's day off, you know, and try to spend all day every day in a general education classroom. And the truth of it is, that's not appropriate for a lot of these kiddos. It actually harms them more. Mm-hmm. I, I get the idea of not wanting to hide them away or or you know wanting to separate them from their gen ed you know, you know, peers. But the beautiful thing of how the learning center worked is that they would put them into general education as much as possible right. as it was appropriate for the kiddo. And so over the years, you know, my daughter got to go in, you know, yes. year after year, more and more. There were kiddos that they would bring in from the gen ed classroom into the um, mm-hmm. special ed classroom to do um, these, you know, buddy systems. Mm-hmm. Like, there were lots of opportunities for them to to be in general ed as their skills developed. Um, but there wasn't this, we're just going to shove them all in. Correct. Yes. And that wasn't communicated, it feels like. At least from what I'm hearing, it wasn't communicated well. 
and it wasn't explained how are we going to fulfill your child's goals and your child's IEP minutes by throwing them into a general education well, classroom. seems very important thing. It does. Just, just yes. And also, because the IEP is such an important document, right, that, mm-hmm. that it, it holds all the information mm-hmm. for these kids, what they need, how they go about things. Did you have to then redo your IEP? To, so they kept the IEP as is, mm-hmm. but they're not they just, adjusting. It, it feels like they just kind of redefined what... Because the IEP just says how many general education minutes and special education minutes. That's how they kind of Mm -hmm. legally term it. And they just kind of redefined how they were getting their special education minutes. Mm -hmm. Instead of it being in a separate classroom, they're saying we're not doing a separate classroom anymore. We're doing away with the learning centers. We're putting them in a general education classroom, but giving them services in different ways is my understanding. So I also sub um, in the district and... um, I have felt like from the experiences I've had prior to now knowing about this, I totally agree with you in in the sense of I feel like schools are doing such a wonderful job in our district of pulling of having all kids participate in things like you said that were appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, it it created a much better like classroom environment for all the kids mm-hmm. where they get to see, like you said that too, Kat. Like when oh, you volunteer yeah. and like the kids will be in there and everyone love has so yeah. much fun and they come in for art and what they can handle and they yeah. make go to PE when it's appropriate or and so I feel like that is such a good way to like integrate everyone, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. I've had kids at the school forever. And they talked about the kiddos that were in the learning center, but were still a part of their gen ed class mm-hmm. as if they were a part yes, of their class. Absolutely. Yes. No matter how much they, mm-hmm. time they spent in there, they were like, you know, so-and-so, we did art. And yeah, they were always... there in my class. And they were cult companions and loved it. Yeah. But not like they were like blocked away in no, some like, no, dark room. They were, they, were yeah. they were definitely involved. They were, you know, every every single class party, yes. everything. And the, and the thing that I think that, why it worked so well is that then these kiddos who are having meltdowns or having struggles aren't having those all day every day in the classroom mm-hmm. with their gen ed kids so that the gen ed kids just see them as a problem mm-hmm. I, yep. uh, yeah. right yeah, and exactly. so and so now there's this like oh that that kid is just always so so disruptive well if they just were able to have them work on the harder things you know their their behavioral goals and their academic goals and things that are hard that might spark spark behaviors mm-hmm. um in a setting that's more calm and more appropriate to the kiddo and then allow them to come into gen ed and be mm-hmm. seen as this and you be know successful be i think successful. that's the other thing yes. is that it's 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 taking away i feel like their ability to be successful okay so in Keeping in line with talking about safety, um, some things that I've heard from some paras at some of the schools are that some of the kids are escaping from the yard that they play in. They've played in there for years. This wasn't happening before the learning Mm -hmm. center went away. Um, You know, throwing chairs, hitting the teachers, which, you know, has always been a thing, but it's Mm -hmm. escalating. And, you know, speaking to mothers that have kids there, that's how they communicate and they're trying to communicate, we do not like this. This is, it not, is working. not working. This is not yeah. working. Yeah, the, the stress levels on the kiddos and the mm-hmm. staff is just through the roof, right? And and that really makes it hard for them to learn. And they can learn, right? Yeah. Um, and so to see them just, 
you know, so stressed out, not wanting to be at school, trying to to escape, to elope from classrooms mm. like that. That's that's really, um, it's just disheartening. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, um, for instance, like in in your particular school, like how many about how many learning center kids were there last year? I think there's currently around seven. Okay. Um, and in talking to parents, like how many of those kids are happier with this situation than when they were in the learning center? As far as I know, from what I've heard, it would be zero. Like oh, it's, wow. there's just a lot of frustration either around the lack of communication, around the way that their children are handling it because they're they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's really tough to see. And, and what? It's not because the teachers aren't working incredibly of hard. Of course, yes. I mean, I feel like it's an impossible situation. Mm-hmm. What has the school, what have you kind of, um, you know, what has the school and the district kind of, what is their, what have they said to you? Have you, have you reached out to them? Well, I reached out, you know, personally for my own daughter because mm-hmm. I felt like, well, you know, you're not staffing appropriately. And I, I sent my strongly worded email to <laughs> the director of uh, special services, worded, you know, which I, I hate to have to do, but I did. And, and, um, and unfortunately the response that I got was, um, uh, it, it was really an, it was an interesting response because it was a lot of words that didn't really mean anything. It Got was, it. oh yes, of course, we do our very best uh, to staff appropriately and to, to fulfill everyone's needs. And um, here, I'll copy the principal uh, for you and they'll look into it. And that was just kind of, there so was no, passing and that was, was the just, end of it. that was the end of it. Like I didn't hear oh, again. Yeah. Um, and, and fortunately, the principal, the special ed teacher, like they, they worked really hard they asked for more staff they met with us talked to us like figured out a different schedule you know they they're they're doing their job the best that they can um with their hands tied behind with, their back with their hands yeah. a little bit tied behind their back so um so yeah and i know from conversations with other people that have gone back and forth on email with people at the district level um that there's just a lot of focus on well this is our plan and we think it's really great and studies show and our pilot was so amazing and and really it's going to be wonderful and you just have to let us figure out the process and it's going to be fine and that was just kind of and it it's like ah yes but in the meantime children are suffering yeah. And if you had done this well to begin with, if you had talked to families mm-hmm. to begin with, if you had staffed appropriately to begin with, we wouldn't be in this crisis situation, mm-hmm. right? We wouldn't well, have people so incredibly upset. Yeah. We wouldn't have children not wanting to go to school. And this is like a des- this sounds to me from what I this is like a desperate situation for some families. I mean, I can't even imagine having your kid going to school and they're happy and then the the effect this would have on you on your family oh yeah. on your sure. family to go for to work sure. I like mean, it, is, know, it is already function it is already so stressful to be a special needs parent i can't even right? imagine it's so stressful and especially like i have i have um you know the amazing blessing of of not having to work full time mm-hmm. so i'm able you know and we have good insurance mm-hmm. so i'm able to take my children to extra therapies and mm-hmm. and volunteer yes. in the classroom and be involved and and do all these things but there are plenty of families that do not have those Absolutely. those privileges and yes. benefits mm-hmm. and the public school system is the only thing that they have mm-hmm. to support their special needs kiddos 
and it's supposed to be mm-hmm. there to help them yep. and they're relying on them mm-hmm. and they're cutting corners and they're cutting corners yeah. and they're yeah. not staffing appropriately and and they've admitted in emails like oh it takes a lot more you know staffing and resources to make this you know this inclusion initiative happen i'm like okay that's you're acknowledging that but you're not actually doing it you're right. not like mm-hmm. i'm not seeing i feel like it's a lot of talk you know, and not a lot of action yeah. you know yeah. and i did a little background research just to see if i could figure out like why they thought this was a good idea to begin with and it occurred to me that um some of the folks who were running this program who have um, proposed it are actually basically academics They've never, you know, to my knowledge, I would love to know how many minutes they've spent in a classroom, how many hours they've spent in a classroom, um, because it seems like they do a lot of speaking about it, you know, speaking engagements, a lot of writing of publications about uh, why this is, you know, why that they're at the forefront, our district of this horrendous decision. Um, and I mean, I would just love to know, you know, what, how many, you know, have, are they sitting in classrooms and watching this happen? Do they want to, you know, come over and take a look at how things are going? I mean, I've never seen the superintendent at our school, but it would be, you know, it would be interesting to see. I, I would love to see yeah. some of them come in and be there when you a kid is having, yeah, just be, just be in a separate day. Not yeah. just not come in for a few minutes, but to actually be there for like a week. Yeah. To see the the roller coaster that happens doesn't seem like a big ask, right? Because no, the really. reality is that for most of the day, the kiddo is working so hard. They're working so hard to to work on their behaviors, to participate in the classroom, to learn. Everyone is working so hard, but when those meltdowns happen, they are big. And when it's multiple kids at once, it's real big. And yeah. then, yeah, you need all hands on deck. You need a lot of staff. To support all of those kiddos because you don't know you can't prepare for it like you know it's going to happen at some point you can't schedule it you can't say oh let's make sure that the meltdowns only happen while we have you know right. nobody at lunch right. right and that's the other thing like like these people who are working in the schools like they deserve lunches and breaks mm-hmm. and all of these things and not to be and, hit in and, the face every day I, you know and maybe part of the reality of working in special needs is that you're going to be hit in the face because these kiddo, right. the, the kiddos you know they're trying to communicate their needs and when they're super frustrated it's going to happen and that's why we have behavior improvement plans it's why we have ieps so we can work on those behaviors so they can learn how to communicate my child has used to be on a behavior improvement plan now she's not because she had really mm-hmm. great teachers that yeah. worked her out of those behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's going to happen. But these people should be supported so well and should mm-hmm. not be told to just make do. Yeah. You don't need that much. You should be fine. Why can't you figure it out? It's not the teacher's fault. It's not no. the parent's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, they they are doing the absolute best that they can. Yeah, that's what's so sad about it, too, is, you know, I've heard... Also, um, parents that have gone to the school and they've gone to the district and the district just pushes back and hands them back over to their local school, to the poor people who are like struggling with this to begin with. They just want to pass the buck Mm -hmm. and it's infuriating. It really Mm -hmm. is. I mean, I don't even, you know, I don't even have a special needs kid and I just, I'm infuriated about this. Yeah. And I, I feel really bad for the schools that, um, didn't have a learning center before who are now being asked to provide that level of care for these kiddos um you know a lot of kid a lot of the ones that were at our school you know variant like applied for a variance to stay at our school mm-hmm. because they were being well taken care of 
a lot of parents don't don't know they can do that. Yeah. They you know weren't you know able to do that, and so you know here you have maybe a school that's never had a learning center before. Uh, probably had like you know one resource person or a couple of pairs or didn't have a full special education staff you know our school is struggling with experienced knowledgeable you know amazing people mm-hmm. you know you're throwing a whole group of students into a bunch of classrooms that have never had these level of needs present before yeah it's gonna now, be... do you sense that the school will walk this back? Like, does there been any talk about fixing this issue? Or do you think this is just a done deal and everyone has to deal with it? I mean, I think at some point, if enough parents complain, if there's enough pushback mm-hmm. from parents and staff, I mean, there's already been, um, you know, just the practical day-to-day of the teachers and the parents saying, okay, obviously this kiddo cannot be in this classroom as much as they're in this general education classroom and trying to pull them out and back into safer spaces as much as possible. Um, but because because of the staffing, because of the push to get them back into those classrooms, you know, the the, the pushback from the general education teachers, like that that kiddo can't be in my classroom, mm-hmm. they're too disruptive. But then, you know, the district is saying, nope, push them in. Like this, it's it's gonna it's gonna completely implode at some point. And yeah. and I think um, that it's gonna take all parents, right? Special mm-hmm. needs parents and mm-hmm. and general education yeah, yeah. parents you know, writing to the people at the district level and saying, you have not done this well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not serving our kiddos well. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do to fix it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's, you know, you're going to have so much burnout and staff turnover and you're going to have so many kids suffering. And, you know, I, it breaks my heart because I am the benef- I am the beneficiary of the good work Yes. That our special education teachers and the learning centers have done. And I, I saw what a great job they did. And so the fact that other kiddos are being denied that just completely breaks my heart. That they're, they're, yeah. they're be, being given this mess. So ironically, um, I was just given a message by one of the parents who were in the same situation. And she said, the district told me, quote, this is best for you. You just don't understand. How condescending oh. is that? that? That they don't know their own kids. Oh, wow. I, I cannot even. I cannot even. They're in their no. ivory tower, but they, you know, they, make really, three hundred thousand really, dollars a year. It really year, is. But yeah, know, yeah. that's it, it really is. incredible. No, I. When you lived, I'm I'm sorry, but the the thing with special needs kiddos is they're so unique. You know, we call it an autism spectrum. It's it's not a spectrum in that you're like 10% autistic or 50% autistic or 80% autistic. It's that there's an entire huge bowl of of symptoms and and behaviors and and issues that a kiddo might have, and each one is this unique mix of all these different things. You know, mine has these specific things. My my best friend has two autistic kiddos. Her two autistic kiddos have different things and their different things clash and they clash with mine. And like every every special needs kiddo is so unique mm-hmm. and different. That's why they call it a spectrum, right? That's why it's a spectrum. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about our special, special education teachers is that they try to make sure that that IEP, that teaching plan is specific to each of those kiddos so that that kiddo gets the, the appropriate education for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And to just 
say, you don't understand what you need mm-hmm. to a parent who has been parenting this special need kiddo yep. for 5, day. 10, 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. every day. I'm sorry. That is insulting. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I feel like they're trying to cookie cutter, like that everyone, you know, this is the right thing for everyone. But that's not how any kid, no, no kid and is And that's like that. not what the spirit of no. FAPE is. That's Mm-mm. not what the law was written for. Right. It was written to support the most needy, the most vulnerable, to get them the individualized, IEP, individualized yes. education plan. And so I feel that like this that is just pushing, I feel like it's, they're just trying to make every child fit into this mo- this one model. And it doesn't work like that. So one parent with one kid. Yep. That would benefit from this type of situation could have possibly gone to the school district yeah, that, and been like, this is what everybody needs. I mean, do you think it's kid, a squeaky wheel situation where like a squeaky wheel got the, you know, it, was, it sounded like it was a small minority of parents yeah. who went to the district. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what I heard, but, um, I can't, I can't speak to it in terms of it, but you know, ultimately, I mean, and perhaps this is a cynical view, but there's sometimes this feeling that people in politics, in bureaucracies, mm-hmm. in you know these these positions of leadership want to justify their existence by initiatives and mm-hmm. and look at this thing that I did mm-hmm. that sounds yeah. so great on paper, yes. but I didn't actually do it well, right. so it actually hurt more people than yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Which then I- they have not done it well. No, and it needs to be done better. Since recording this episode, we have received more feedback from parents, kids, and teachers. To protect individuals and teachers, we will just generally say that the stories we have heard are heartbreaking, to say the least. Think about a special needs kid who doesn't eat lunch for a week, a child who needs to have a diaper change, but it doesn't happen due to lack of awareness and not enough trained staff, or a gen ed teacher who is in tears in front of her class because she's trying to separate two special needs kids were truly overwhelmed by their constant integration. If you think this is happening just in Washington State, you're wrong. These pilot programs are being used as research for other schools to replicate, all in the name of diversity and inclusion. We need to think long and hard about when these buzzword programs are actually taking a turn for the worse. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is I Know a Thing a podcast by ordinary moms exploring what we find curious.